BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to episode two of the Jesse Blake Sports Report. I am Jesse Blake. And despite... Adam's protestations. Uh, is that, is, I think that's a word. Uh, it is still the title. The Jesse Blake Sports Report is still the title of the show. Thank you for sending in all of your submissions on new titles. I think we still may change it. Who knows? We run this, this weird, fun network. So we can change the name whenever we want and whenever we please. Uh, but you guys have some great suggestions. Like the Blake Down is one of the uh, leading favorites. And also um, No with Jesse Blake. That I love that one. So who knows? It, this show might not be called that come uh, next episode. Who knows? But today on this episode, we're going to be joined by Nor Zainab and Vivek Jacob. Uh, they're going to break down the Raptors Sixers series. And I think I've come up with a very original idea on how to break down the series. We're going to do a top five list, you know, because nobody does lists in, in sports content. So we're going to do the top five most important people in the series in Sixers versus Raptors. I'm going to break it down that way. And we're going to talk about that and get into all the important players in the series. But speaking of those top five lists, I want to do something for next episode, and I, I want to hit this off the top so everybody can send me in their suggestions. You can send them to me uh, on Twitter, at uh, Jesse Blake, on Instagram, at jesse.blake, or, or on our Discord, discord.gg slash sdpn. If you're not a member of our Discord, join us on Discord there. There's a, a channel there for Jesse Blake sports report questions and discussions and that sort of stuff. So hit up that part of the Discord and let me know the most difficult athletic thing to do in sports. I want to do the definitive top five. This next episode, I'm going to do the top five most difficult things to do in sports. Now, I'm going to limit it to the major sport. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put quotes and I'm going to say the major sports, quote unquote. So, the four American sports, the four North American sports, the big four, baseball, basketball, hockey, football. I'm going to add in football, soccer, football slash soccer as number five, as well as tennis and golf. So amongst baseball, basketball, football, soccer, baseball, tennis, and golf top eight what's the most 
difficult athletic thing to do in those eight sports. Right now, my list that I've been compiling for next episode, I'm going to give you a sneak preview of one and two and three. Number three, I have returning a serve that's over 130 miles per hour. So I, I, I did a, a like a tad bit of research, but the full research comes next episode. That's kind of where I'm sitting for number three. Number two, hitting a baseball. Hitting a baseball has for 100 years has been the consensus hardest thing to do in sports. It's at number two for me. Number one, number one, I have saving a penalty kick in soccer. That's the number. I, I, I think based on the percentages, based what we know about how difficult that is and the skill level of professional footballers, right now, based on very limited research and a top five list that is coming next week, I have saving a penalty kick as the number one most difficult athletic in-sport, in-game thing to do amongst those eight sports. So let me know. Let me know what you think. And based on your suggestions, based on my research, I'm going to finish my top five list. I think every episode I'm going to do top five something. It's not always going to be sports related. I might do the top five worst things you can put on your pizza and all one through five are chicken. Um, so I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do a top five list every episode. Top five of something. Let me know what you want me to rank as well. Let me know what you want me to do for these top five lists. But that's what I'm thinking for uh, next week's episode. Let me know your comments and suggestions. Thank you, first of all, for listening to that first episode. You blew me away with the numbers um, much more than I expected. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, it's awesome that I get to sit here and talk about some things that are not hockey with you guys. It's it's awesome. Thank you for listening. And let's get into it. Nor and Vivek, Raptors, Sixers. Let's go. All right. We got to preview the Raptors, Sixers series. We got Nor Zainab, content host and producer at the Parlay, and Vivek Jacob, Raptors writer at raptors.com complex.ca and cbcsports.ca welcome guys thank you for being here thanks for having me thanks for having us yeah thank you v i want to start with you because you were at raptors practice this morning what are Mm -hmm. the vibes like what's the biggest thing that you took away from practice this morning uh well precious achua was asked this very question and his answer was i'm chill (laughs) i am big chilling (laughs) And so he said it probably won't hit him until he's actually at the game and, you know, he can see the crowd and feel that playoff atmosphere. Um, So for right now, they all seem pretty chill. Uh, I think that young made a good point yesterday about how since he's come to this team as young as they are, uh, they're pretty even keeled. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. I think that's why you've seen them turn around their season the way they have uh, in the second half. And beyond that, you know, I, I think, they're pretty much ready. Like Fred Van Vliet has got some needed time off. OG Ananobi seems to be back in the swing of things. So I think this team is ready. And I think 
deep down, they like this matchup. How how was uh, Nick Nurse? Was he uh, moving off of the slugfest uh, comment he made the other day? <laughs> well, he moved off everything because he actually did not speak with media today. Uh, okay. It was just it was just uh, Fred and Precious and Chris Boucher. Oh. So uh, Fred was asked, you know, about plans for uh, Embiid, plans uh, in terms of being able to have something else to go to if they can't get the offensive rebounds that they need, if they can't, you know, force turnovers the way that we're accustomed to seeing. What is the plan B going to be? Is there going to be a plan B? And he said, what do you mean? It's Nicky Nurse, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so so you can rest assured there'll be plan B, C, D, E, F, probably go through the alphabet. All right, right. Okay, so getting into our Raptors Sixers preview, how I want to break this down is uh, it's a fairly new podcast. This is only our second episode ever of the uh, Jesse Blake Sports Report is our temporary name we're running with. Um, <laughs> we're going to brand ourselves. We're going to do the super original idea of top five lists. You know, like nobody's ever done that before in sports content. So today we're going to rank the top five most important people in this series. We're going to I'm going to go from most important to the fifth important. And we're going to start off with James Harden, because I think the idea here that that seems to be the biggest fear of Raptors fans is that Daryl Morey's idea of this two headed monster of Embiid and Harden, it comes to fruition in this series and that we don't see the Brooklyn James Harden, the Sixers James Harden that we've seen this entire season and that we see some flashback Houston James Harden and everything comes together. Nor, what do you expect from Harden this series? Which James Harden do we see? How do you see that playing out? And do the Raptors have a chance if he actually shows up and tries on both ends of the court? Okay, so to answer your last question, honestly, no. That has been my entire thought process with this matchup where it's like if Harden shows up and Harden's not the Harden that we've seen the past couple of weeks or the playoff Harden that we've seen the past couple of years, if he actually shows up and he wants to get those shots up and defend a little bit on the other side too, I don't know if we have a chance because we saw this Philly team when they had Embiid and Harden that were going together at a full pace, right? Um, I thought that was kind of the best way to almost play your basketball when you have a really good guy in the paint and you you pair that with a guy who loves the three-point line and that just leaves the other defense trying to figure out and stagger where you you know put your energy into and that's what you saw when those two guys were taking the most of the shots you saw Tyrese Maxey open up because everyone was guarding those two guys and after Harden fell off was when everyone was like actually screw Harden we're gonna focus in on Embiid and just limit that thing because no one's really gonna rely on Harden to not break you know 15 out of 20 shots at this point but if for somehow some reason you see that Harden in here I don't know I I'm scared I'm terrified I think at that point it's gonna have to come down to Tybal's status as well and to see if he can somehow make up those two games that he will lose in Toronto and Philly but if if we if we see this level, version of Harden if we if we see Embiid the way that he's been playing in the at the MVP level um I'm sorry Raptor fans I'll be happy to lose that in six <laughs> seriously <laughs> right. And and just for like uh, for context, since being traded for the Sixers, Harden's field goal percentage is down, his three-point percentage is down, his offensive rebounding is down, his defensive rebounding down. His numbers have just been awful. Like we've seen not even Brooklyn James Harden, we've seen this new even slower Sixers James Harden. And uh V, same question to you. What do you expect and do the Raptors stand a chance if he if all of these numbers actually go up? 
I think I'll always give the Raptors a chance because of their defense, because they do have the uh, advantage in the coaching matchup. And so you expect Nick Nurse to find some way to adjust. Um, it will be that much more difficult if James Harden can rediscover that Houston MVP form. Uh, but I'd be pretty surprised if we saw that James Harden. There, there's nothing that we've seen this season that would suggest that uh, that player is in there somewhere. And, you know, I have a preview for Raptors.com going up. And one of the stats that I dug up was, you know, during those peak uh, Houston years, he averaged about 20 dunks a season. He has zero dunks as a Philadelphia 76er. Oh, wow. Combined with Brooklyn and Houston, he has six dunks this year. So you talk about that burst. He doesn't have that burst in his game anymore. Um, and, and he's relying on his jumper. He's relying on his playmaking, which is still a big threat. But uh, I don't think we're going to see the same James Harden that we've seen in Houston. And for that reason, I feel pretty confident about the Raptors' chances. Yeah, it's even like the little stuff, like the the step back three that he's that he's patented. That's that's his thing. It looks little less deadly, you know. And he and he can't beat guys off the dribble. And and that's such a that's a crazy stat because it's a microcosm of just the effort that he's been giving giving as a Philadelphia 76er. And you know, like is this his last shot with a with a team like is somebody else gonna take another shot at james harden next year i don't know like can maury ship him out somewhere if if this doesn't work out so um i don't know if if he doesn't show up yeah the raptors have a serious shot here and it's so funny you bring up nick nurse because second on my top five most important people <laughs> in the uh sixes raptors series is nick nurse and that matchup between uh nurse and doc rivers because i think everybody says we got we got the coaching win there we got the w on paper but it's it's the pace of play that uh nurse will have the raptors come out are they going to play a more of a fast break offense because that's where the 76ers struggle defensively they can't stop anybody on the on the uh on the fast break so so nor how big of an x factor is the nurse rivers matchup and how do you see nurse uh game planning against the sixers here I think if you watch the Raptors the past couple of years since he's taken over, it if you have Nick Nurse on your squad, you get a chance, like the Vake said, every single game. Even if you don't have the personnel on your roster, he will somehow magician up an equation to make sure that they find the adjustments to make in game, no matter how he does it. I mean, look at the box and one it's still talked about Steph Curry wears it in a hoodie. So whatever, as long as you have him on your squad, you are in good hands. That's why any Lakers situation you don't want to be a part of. And I'm willing to give him the keys to Toronto at this point, but honestly, in this against doc rivers, it's, it's, it's pretty much a matchup of one guy who's playing checkers and the other is playing chess, right? At, I feel really bad for Doc Rivers. I think uh, he's he's a great coach, but he has um, obviously had moments where he's not met up to his standard or the standard that we have set him up at. And in this situation right now, I think all the pressure is on Doc and Philly because what they have gone through the past couple of years to be where they are right now, the process, Ben Simmons, Harden, Embiid and wanting to keep Embiid as well, right? Because if somehow they don't make this, personnel changes are going to be happening in the offseason. There's no way there's, they're not going to be. So um, I think it's it's a huge thing when it comes down to matchups because if, if you've seen Nick Nurse in this spot, you know that he's going to have the upper hand against Doc Rivers and he's going to come out gun swinging. He already has not told you he was playing on Saturday. 
We don't know who's healthy yet on Saturday. Chris Boucher is telling you the status of players on Saturday right now. <laughs> so he's going he's gonna to be having all his, uh, his cards up against his sleeve. And um, I can definitely see him going out on a fast pace because you haven't acquired six, nine guys on your roster for nothing. You're going to use them to run that floor against guys like Embiid and Harden who don't really work out right so it it works out for us it's a really good spot for us and like Vivek said if uh, if if Nick Nurse is there and you can find a way to neutralize those two guys only Nick Nurse can do that so I'm gonna it's it's really good to have Nick Nurse on your team is what I'm trying to get down to here (laughs) right right and like my favorite media moment of the week is Doc Rivers when he was fighting with uh some members of the Philly media over starting uh paul reed at backup center as opposed to deandre jordan and him just going at the media i'm like okay yes they're already fighting he's his back's already against the wall we're seeing that you know it was it was great the pressure is on exactly exactly and uh v where do you, you did a great breakdown on uh cbc sports of just the matchup five versus five of the starting roster where do you see Nick Nurse exploiting uh, the deficiencies of the Sixers in in the five on five starting starting lineup matchup there? Well, the great thing about that answer is it's going to vary literally every possession. Pascal Siakam said at practice yesterday that at the beginning of the season he would go to Nick and say, "Hey, can you tell these young guys what position they're playing?" Because they seem pretty confused. And Nick just refused. Because that's the goal that he wanted to set. He's like, no one is going to have an assigned position. We're not going to have someone designated to bring the ball up the floor. And so, depending on how you know possessions play out, you could have most likely Fred or Pascal bringing up the ball, but there's going to be situations where it's Precious, where uh, you know it's Scotty Barnes, where it's OG Ananobi. And then they'll find mismatches from there and attack it. Right, they've been pretty isolation heavy uh, in terms of their offense this season, and so whatever mismatch they find on the floor every time down the floor, that's what they're going to attack. And frankly, you know, I do think with Nick Nurse, you know, we can look at the different uh, tactics and strategies that he brings. Depending on what he goes to, a lot of the times he's playing into the psychology of the game, right? Mm-hmm. When when he looks at Let's take the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands. Let's take the ball out of James Harden's hands. What he's saying is, I know guys like Georges Niang and Tobias Harris are not comfortable taking these shots. So go ahead. Right. And he's asking them to do it time and time again. He's done that against star players on other teams as well. And he'll be willing to tip his hat if those guys do make those shots. But I think that's where you see the separation when you go down the roster. It's like, yeah, you can say they have Joel Embiid and James Harden. But the further you go down the roster, it's the Raptors who have the advantages. Yeah. And if we look at some of the numbers, like in the regular season, uh, the Sixers were 13 in offense, 11th in defense, 9 in net rating. The Raptors were 16 in offense, 10 in defense, 11 in net rating. It's so even on paper, but 
the amount of pressure that the Raptors put on defense on teams, like they, they pressure the ball more than any other team in the league. And like, that seems to be the X factor. And like, is, is nor is defense going to be the way, way the Raptors beat them? Because I don't, I don't think we're going to get into uh, the one twenty one fifteen games. Like this, these are two slow paced teams where it's going to be, you know, old nineties basketball. Where we're seeing 98, 87 games late in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Do you agree with that? That's how I'm outlooking this series. That's a Nick Nurse specialty, you know? He's told you, if you can't play defense, don't step on my court. You're not getting some play time. You're not getting any minutes. Absolutely. I think the Raptors always rely on their defense. If you watch the Raptors in the regular season, you'll notice that in the first half, they're always down. If you're a betting person, this is how I bet. I make sure the Raptors are down in the first half because they always end up winning the game, you know? In the fourth quarter, the tight ends, the defense comes out. They're willing to finally notch that, uh, the D up completely. But in the first half, they're cruising. And you see the difference in their defense once they're locked in and when they're not locked in. They understand how to bring those deficits down from 30 to five and to finally make it a game towards the very end. So they're in a really nice spot, not just uh, having a coach that's that's defensive minded, but having really good guys that are also their, their keys defense, right? You've seen all these guys that have come up, Scotty Barnes, Pascal, um, OG, their main trait has been defense. They have been taught defense from the get go. And those guys are not just there to defend one-on-one. They're there to defend. They're there to be as help defenders as well. And being six, nine in that position and having to run at guys, I don't want to be the guy on the other end. I'm going to pass out on that with two guys running at me. So that's, I think is, is our, um, is our big factor, not just in this matchup, but with other matches matchups as well. My biggest thing with the Raptors at the beginning of the season was not going to lie. I didn't think we would even make the play in. I don't want to get this on record, but I I was I was not high up on the Raptors and the squad because I was like, you got to have a true center against guys like Embiid and Jokic and Giannis. And it didn't make much sense to me. But as the season progressed, you saw the 6-9 project really come to life. And those guys that positionless basketball where no one really has a role and you really just get to do everything on the floor, it's really worked out for Masai and Bobby. And I think they're going to ride that out for as long as they can. And honestly, if, like I said, if Harden doesn't show up, their defense should take them in six or seven Raptors could take it right and you were entirely right to not really believe in the Raptors <laughs> coming into the season because th- they were a lottery team with a top four pick and we didn't know what to expect coming out of the weird Tampa seasons like are they going to bounce back right away and be the Raptors of old and all these new guys stepping up you know and are we going to get spicy P back again and that's who I got uh number three on my list of the top five most important people of the uh, Raptors Sixers series is Pascal Siakam who, in his last two meetings versus the Sixers, Siakam's uh, 26, 10, and 5. And then in the uh, April matchup, he was 37, 11, and 12. Uh, Doc Rivers said he's making the three ball a little more frequently. He's improved going left. He's used to be, he used to be 100% right, but now he's got a little pull-up going left, and that makes him very difficult to guard. Before I ask you guys, I want to like an overview of how you've been thinking about Pascal Siakam all season. Uh, but what do you expect? Let's start with you, V. What do you expect from him in this series? Is he going to get his? You know, is is, is all NBA Spicy P going to show up versus the Sixers? Or is MB going to shut him out? Like, that's what Sixers fans are hoping, right? Yeah, I, I expect the revenge tour to continue. I, I think this is the moment that he's been waiting for. He's probably had, you know, the, the playoffs in the bubble in the back of his mind and how that went down and been waiting for that playoff chance. And you look at what he's done the past 
month, like especially since All-Star, it was like, oh, you didn't get named an All-Star? Well, I'll show you I'm All-NBA. And he's been sensational. So, uh, you know, those numbers you brought up about those two games, the three games against Philly he's had this season, he's averaging 39 and 8. And there's really no one on this team that can guard him. And uh, the big separating factor when he's matched up individually one-on-one with Joel Embiid is going to be that mid-range shot. Uh, he's been able to go to that and just, you know, when Embiid's backed up, he's just taken it and made it. And so he's going to have to continue to do that. But then there's also been times where he, he's attacked him off the dribble and then gives him a little shot fake that Drake impersonates and <laughs> finishes right around him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's a it's a beautiful move. Like uh, he's he's added so much to get to his game, and and nor how impressed are you of Siak uh, of Siakam this season? Like, because December seemed to be the the turnaround. You know, he just kind of turned on. He started slow, coming off the injury, rehabbing, getting back into basketball. And how how impressed are you of over these uh this little stretch here where he's just been absolutely on fire? Everything. I think, as Vivek said, he came back after All-Star. He noticed that he had made it. He had invaded and he thought this is the time for me to get my gear into action for all NBA and for the playoffs to finally um, retract those narratives that have been set the past couple of years. I, I am a little, little concerned, like a little scared just for the playoffs because I'm just like, if anything goes down, those narratives are going to be ugly. But honestly, I think he's earned all of our trust and respect at this point. How, as you mentioned, like he has we saw what he did last year, but for him to come back summer after summer to add more, um, more attributes to his game for him to become a facilitator. Now for him to take those three point shooting. Now, as, as Vivek said, he is going to be one-on-one with Embiid, but imagine now that he's able to knock down those three point shots Embiid can't guard that. And then now if you're Toronto as well, you don't have Tybal anymore, who, who is the best uh, perimeter defender for that Philly team. So you're leaving all these guys wide open to do whatever he wants. And Pascal is going to thrive. And like, it, honestly, not having Tybal there in Toronto is going to be, I think, the factor for him in Toronto. Not just for him, for everybody else there as well, for Gary Trent, for Freddie, for OG, Scotty Barnes, whoever, just because he is their best defender. And I think Pascal is going to eat. We're going to see everyone busy with Embiid. And, um, um, we fortunately have enough shooters in our squad that you can see Pascal open up. You've got Freddie, you have Gary Trent, Scotty gets his own. Um, if OG's feeling it coming back, right, he can get those three point shots in as well. So Pascal right now, I think is in a really good position to start off his playoff campaign really nicely. Mm-hmm. In the same way, like I look at the series where if James Harden shows up, uh, the Raptors don't have a shot at winning, I don't think. But it, and if if Pascal doesn't show up, I don't see how the Raptors win. You know, like I do you see V if there if Pascal say he he takes a step back, like he's not the Pascal that we've seen at the late end of the regular season. Do you see if that there's enough scoring between Fred and Gary and OG that they could make up for weaker Siakam games? No, I don't think so. I, I think you're right. I think Pascal Siakam has to be the second best player in the series. Um you know, we'll give our respect to Joel Embiid. He'll most likely be the best player in the series. But if he's the second best player uh, and is ahead of James Harden, then I think the Raptors will be able to control the series. Uh, I think what's great about Siakam is when he has struggled with his shot over the course of the regular season, he's brought so much else to the table. We've seen the playmaking, the assist numbers go up, the rebounding is still there, the defense is incredible. Um, and so 
what I like about him this season is the floor is much higher than it used to be. And, and that should give them a chance. But I, I think if Siakam isn't averaging, say, at least, you know, somewhere between 22 to 25 a game, uh, I don't think the Raptors would have a chance. Mm-hmm. And, and you brought up who I got number four on the list. Uh, Joel Embiid, the fourth most important person in this series. Uh, everybody expects him to get his. Like, it seems like it's just penciled in. We're going to put Embiid for like 30. Maybe he has like the big 45-point game. But when I look at the numbers of Embiid versus the Raptors, they seem to have his number. So I'm gonna since 2019, regular season and playoffs, we all remember the 2019 playoffs, last 16 games versus Toronto, Embiid is shooting 37%. Over the last three seasons, Embiid has averaged 28.1 points a game. But versus the Raptors, he's 19.3 points per game. He averages uh, about four turnovers per 36 minutes uh, against the Raptors, which is more. It was just 3.6 uh, more than his typical rate. Like, are you, uh, Nor? I'll start with you. Are you penciling in Embiid to get his? Or can you see like Nick Nurse game planning so well that we see this drop off? We see that 19 points a game instead of the 30. I think if you have Marc Gasol, no. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have Marc Gasol. So if you see a player prop of Embiid, just take it. He had 29, though, like what, a couple weeks ago against the Raptors? He did, yes. It- I think uh, I think those years also mattered because you had you really did have those big guys, right? Nabaka and Gasol, who were able to take over and um, kind of you know. Uh, mix up that energy to just have entirely focusing on Embiid. But I think nowadays it's a little bit harder because you have to focus on the other guys as well. And you don't really have that one made guy that's supposed to be just there for Embiid as well. Right. So we are more so focused on the help defense part of it now. Um, and that's why I think Embiid is going to get his. It's going to come down to Harden. Embiid's going to be Embiid regardless. He's still MVP. And yeah, like I said, if you see a player prop, it's going to be like 30 or something. Just take it. He's going to be playing like 45 minutes a game. There's no way. And maybe like, what, 50 free throws a game? He's he's going to get his own. <laughs> v, are you on the same page? Like, we just put Embiid down 32 points, 40 points. I think he'll put up the numbers. Um, the question is what the efficiency will look like. And I think that's where the Raptors can make life difficult. If, if he's shooting anywhere near that number, you said, then it's going to look pretty ugly. And frankly, there's a chance then that Pascal Siakam looks like the best player in the series. Um, I think Embiid likely will need to average 35 and 15 for the Sixers to pull this series off because again, I don't expect Harden to be Harden um, or the Harden that we've known. Um, and so I think he's going to have a lot on his shoulders. He's already talked about how he's going to be pushing everyone else on his team to come through because I think deep down, he knows that's what, what it's going to take because Nick Nurse is going to force the ball out of his hands. And so what will Danny Green and George's Niang and Matisse Thibault when he's playing in Philly, what will those guys do? That's going to be the big question. Mm-hmm. And we've hit on uh, Tybal a couple of times already. Uh, he's number five on my top five list. Uh, <laughs> he can't play can't play in Toronto. Danny Green's now in the starting lineup, and it looks like Doc Rivers is just going to stick with that, so he's not messing with the starting lineup. Um, Nor you you touched on this briefly. How big of an impact is it that uh, Sixers are going to be missing Tybal throughout this series in the home games in Toronto? 
Um, offensively, maybe not that much, but defensively, I think that's everything. He's like I said, he's their best perimeter defender. Um, last time, whenever he was on Gary Trent Jr., I think he held Gary to like six for 24 of shooting. He ended up having like 19 points. And when he wasn't on the court and he wasn't playing in Toronto, and I think um, Gary had like, I forget who he had on him, but he had 30 points. So he makes a massive difference being on the court, not just for Gary, because I think the last time most of the the project that Tybal gets against the Raptors will be Scotty Barnes. And honestly, not having Tybal on Scotty Barnes in Toronto in the playoffs in round one will be so good for his confidence. He'll be able to do whatever he wants and live um, that rookie life that he can in the playoffs right now. And yeah, I think his his presence is something that's going to be required if you really want to make a difference on the defensive end because you can't rely on James Harden. You can't really rely on, um, I mean, Tobias Harris and Danny Green, sure, but like I, I don't really, I'm not going to give them the edge to be the, the guys on defense. It really is tidal for them by a large margin. And honestly, him not being vaccinated and him being, I mean, I guess half vaccinated, whatever the case is, yeah, it's, it's going to hurt them big time. And I can, I'm already sure the the franchise, the fans are probably not too happy with him for that. Right. Yeah. You can't, you just got to do the thing for the better good of everybody on your team. Right. That's how I'm looking at that situation. But uh, the, the, that's, that's the fifth person on my top five <laughs> list of important people. Uh, what do you think about my list? And have I left anybody off that we haven't mentioned yet? That's really important. That should be in the top five. Well, I mean, I would probably have Fred Van Vliet up there just because of his knee situation. Hmm. That's going to be something that's important for the Raptors. If he's playing like he did in the first half of the season when he was an all-star, then I really, really like the Raptors' chances. Like, if if he was still in that condition, I might pick the Raptors in five. Um I think they have that much of an advantage in this series. Uh, but because of his need, the fact that he shot 29% from three since the all-star break, his drives are down. Um, I think that does make the challenge a lot more difficult. So what condition he's in after getting this break? Uh, and he talked about how the team basically said, we need to avoid the play-in so that we can get you this extra rest. Uh, how much that's going to pay off is going to be really important to see. I also think his leadership is a massive factor as well, because we saw when we had Kawhi, right, we needed Kawhi to be that somber guy to keep everybody in their emotions and keep everything in check to not go overboard or underboard anything like that, just kind of stay content and run the course and play every game by the game itself. And Freddie was the main guy that was there at that time. So I think that level of leadership and really being the guy who is the leader now is, is massive, not just for the court, but to like keep um, momentum good, to keep um, personas around everybody fine. So he has a massive job, I think, uh, not just even if he's not playing on the court or if he's playing on the court. So his, his entire presence is everything. Right. Is there anybody uh, who I left off my list that you want to mention, Nor? I would maybe OG's health as well. I, I really am just concerned about the health aspect. I think when it comes to this team, it's, it's Freddie for sure. Number one and OG just to see what they look like. And I feel bad for OG because he seems to make strides and he ends up looking like, you know, he, he might make MIP or something. And then he ends up getting injured like time and time again. So it feels like he's dealing with a curse at this point, but I hope like he comes back full healthy hundred percent for this matchup because we are going to need those two and we're going to need them on the, on the offensive as well as the defensive end. 
Yeah, and some of the Raptors splits with OG in the lineup and versus him out. Like they're so much they're yeah. such a better oh. team with him there. You know, their their record and just their offensive efficiencies with OG there is just it's staggering uh, the impact he makes in this lineup. Absolutely. I think that's exactly what it is. I think I forget what the uh what the ratio was a win or losses but it was pretty drastic without having in your lineup um so he's he's a massive factor he may not look like it you may not see that on the court that much but what he does um you have to really watch out for because it's always the little details that he can he can do and just his presence on the defensive end like it's og you don't want to get past og right right um and and lastly to close this out i want uh your predictions like nor you're the betting expert here uh, okay. you, you do fantastic betting no pressure <laughs> over at, at the parlay so i'm gonna save you for last because that's probably where people want to put their money but the raptors to win the series it's 2.5 on the uh, decimal odds 76ers uh 1.56 on the decimal odds vivek where are you putting your money raptors sixers how many games yeah i have the raptors winning in six games i genuinely believe that they have the matchup advantages i know it's it's not a situation that raptors fans are comfortable being in or accustomed to being in outside of maybe 2018 19 and so it's weird to look at it as the underdog and say oh this was a team that was supposed to be a a title favorite and has a former mvp and has someone who is likely going to be you know in back-to-back years the runner-up to mvp um so for me the only advantage Philly has is the best player in the series. Yeah. Pretty much everything else you go down the list is the Raptors. And so that's why I picked the Raptors at six. Okay. And Nor? I agree with Vivek. I think uh, Embiid is the best player on the court, but the second, third, and would end up being a Raptor if Harden's not going to be Harden himself on the court. And if that's the case, then I'm going to go with the Raptors in six or seven. And I don't want to say seven because I think if we go seven, Philly might take that one. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with six. <laughs> yeah, the one. You sure game. you're not saying that for your own anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> the one. Imagine Philly game seven. I'm going to be in the hospital. All right. Oh my goodness. Those Philly fans, like they're gonna it'll be insane if it's a game seven in philly oh boy yeah we anyway. have to fly out we have to represent toronto yeah. <laughs> you guys on board yeah no uh, you gotta be there game seven game that'd seven. be incredible all right well I'll, I'll charter the jet we'll uh <laughs> we'll we'll get it ready well maybe we'll take air drake you know like maybe oh, maybe we'll hey. hop on his plane you know yeah. we'll, we'll fly out from pearson uh over to philly it'll be nice We'll get our dino costumes ready. Yeah. The whole, whole shebang. Hey, I mean, based on that studio, I know the funding is there. Yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> How dare you? This isn't a this isn't a basement. It's it's not glamorous at all. It's it's very thrown together. This is an IKEA table. It costs, I think, eighty dollars. There's don't 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 put us in that situation. All right. We are not paying for your flights. That's it. I'm getting you guys off the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that's Noor Zainab, finder at The Parlay, and Vivek Jacob, finder's work over at raptors.com, Complex, and CBC Sports. Thank you, guys. Thank you again to Norm Vivek for joining us. I'm going to be watching on Saturday, and this I'm going to be clenching my butt. Like It's going to be such a tight series. So we'll see how it goes. A lot of Blue Jays stuff out of one week of baseball. They came back from a 7-0 lead to win opening day. They blew a 6-1 lead. Vladdy hits three home runs, gets his hands stepped on. Unbelievable 
first week of baseball for the Blue Jays, just filled with drama. Next week, we're going to have some more Blue Jays content. And we have F1 coming up for you, for everybody. F1's what is like my side sport right now. You know, it's it's not my main dish. It's 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 what I got on the side. It's it's you know your weekend little little appy, little just fries on the side is my F one. So I'm gonna have on an F one guest in the next two weeks or so. They're gonna join us and we're gonna break down one of the races. We're gonna do a little post about the previous race and we're gonna do a little pre about the next race. And we're gonna talk a little uh, about the constructors race and the drivers championship and how much. I hate Max for stopping because of all his whining and complaining. Don't like that. I am definitely biased when we are going to have that F1 talk. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Mercedes fan. That is where my fandom lies. Uh, Russell and Hamilton, like that. Those are my guys. Those are my drivers right now. Uh, it used to be Bottas, but you know, things change. I got to stick with my squad. I got to stick with the team. And players move in and out all the time. You stick with your team. You know, so we're that's a that's coming up, and anything. Don't forget to send me in your suggestions for the top five lists, top five things we should rank. I'm very excited to do that over the next coming weeks and months. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Go listen to the Steve Dangle podcast, the Chris Johnson show. Uh, new episodes came out yesterday, Thursday. Go listen to those. We had a stream on Wednesday. Uh, the Crab People's Toronto Maple Leafs are back in the playoffs. We play Buffalo tonight at 6 or 7. Not sure what time I'll hit up the stream, but we're going to play Buffalo in the first round of the 2034 playoffs. We're coming off a loss in the Stanley Cup final to Vegas. We've regrouped. We've traded our franchise goalie for the guy who was performing the best in the league at the season at the trade deadline. Go watch uh, my streams. They're, They're such an adventure with the moves we're making. Uh, It's always fun uh, hanging out with you guys over on Twitch. I think that's it. I'll see you again next week for more Steve Dangle podcast on Monday. And another one of these, the Jesse Blake Sports Report, coming around midweek. Depends on how this series goes with Raptors and Sixers. I might be back earlier in the week or later in the week. We'll see how uh, the series plays out and if there's a need for like an emergency reaction pod. We'll see how it goes. Thank you so much for being here today. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with us today. I appreciate you. Thank you, and good night from Toronto. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.